Welcome to Millennial 707. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And today we're joined by friend of the show, Shane. Hey, Shane. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Sunshine in LA. Oh, yeah. don't tease us. Well, we've known Shane for a <laughs> long time, and we thought it'd be fun if he sat in on the show because uh, he's also frequently in our Discord as we're recording, and he always has lots of interesting things to say, as do many of our listeners, but we've also known Shane for a while, so we thought, let's have Shane on the show. And boy, did he show up. I mean, not only is he wearing his Millennial t-shirt, but he's also wearing a LaCroix cap. I mean, just going all in on Millennial, the podcast, and the stereotypes. So well done. Did you make some avocado toast today as well? I should have. I really should have, yeah. But Shane, you actually are doing the Lord's work. You've been working at a big Los Angeles COVID testing and vaccination center. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm a native of LA, a couple generations here, a couple generations Dodger fan also. And I've recently uh, pivoted to wanting to work in public health. Mm. And so at Dodger Stadium, they were doing uh, COVID testing uh, most of last year. Uh, And then at the beginning of this year, it pivoted to just uh, vaccination. Um, And so it's pretty wild. It's a partnership between the city of L.A., the county of L.A., Sean Penn's organization, CORE, uh, which is a community organized relief effort. Uh, He started it back when they had the disaster in Haiti. Um, And like Verizon and USC and like these nursing schools and like it's crazy. Um, But yeah, they're doing like 10,000 vaccinations a day. Wow. And so, yeah, like LA is up to, I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah. LA is up to like 300,000 shots given. Um, The county is up to like 1.3 million and the state's up to almost 7 million, which is kind of hard because 300,000 is great, but LA is a city of 3 million. Uh, The county is a county of 10 million and the state has more people than Canada. We're trying, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. You were working while they were testing there, right? You were yeah. volunteering. Um, and so it was kind of like the same model that they started in South Korea, where it was like a drive-through. Um, and so uh-huh. there would literally be, again, just like tens of thousands of cars, like driving through every day, doing like the self-administered test, yeah. which Oof. is not as accurate because it's self-administered, but that was kind of like yeah. our role to like kind of go up and down the rows of cars and like make sure that they're doing it correctly. <laughs> was anybody like crying when they did it? That would be me. That was me, actually, if you heard somebody crying. We did the oral one. So I feel oh. like people only cry for the nose one, but uh, there were a lot of people who you'd see doing the, the oral one and they're like gagging. And it's like, you're, what are you doing? <laughs> you're just digging that way too deep in your throat. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> when you do the oral one, how far back does it have to go? I mean, it's literally just like brush your tongue, brush the, like your cheeks and like the oh, roof of your mouth. Shit. I wish I had one of those. Yeah, Yeah, when I had to do a self-administered nasal swab, it was terrible because the nurse was just going deeper, deeper, and I kept pushing the rod in. And I was like, I think I'm about to give myself a lobotomy, so I think it's in deep enough. (laughs) That's funny. So, Shane, you're vaccinated now because you're working at that location? Yeah, so kind of. Um, I got my first uh, dose of the Moderna vaccine there. It was literally just kind of like, hey, do you want it? Go over to that shed around the corner. And I was like, uh, yeah, fuck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I got the second one, though, because I just started a new job. 
Um, and I am kind of like an indirect healthcare worker. So yeah, I went and got the second one. And actually today is like the day when I would be like fully, you know, immunized because they say it takes 10 days after the booster to like have full immunity. Yeah. So, so yeah, today's like that day. And um, well, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We mean that. <laughs> is there a sense of relief that comes with that, though? Or does it just not really feel real because we've been operating the same way for so long? Well, yeah, it's weird because, um, you know, I still have to wear my mask. I still have to wash my hands really well and things like that because it's like the thing about the vaccine is it it reduces like how bad your symptoms would be if you got COVID, but it doesn't like block you from getting COVID, you know? Right. So it's, it reduces your symptoms and the hope is like the science is still not really out there yet, but the hope is that it also reduces uh, reproduction, which is, you know, how many people you can get sick by being contagious. So, yeah. Yeah. So how are you celebrating tonight? Going to a bar? Making out with some people. <laughs> well, I'm still in LA where we had some of the worst <laughs> COVID numbers. So um, most everything's closed. But all right. I so did... going out to a bar in Southern Georgia. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Oh, he doesn't even have to go to Southern Georgia for that. <laughs> Probably just go to Arizona. I'm sure everything's open in Arizona. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'll point you to a coffee shop where they're all running around maskless and talking about everything being a hoax. Well, anyway, you were going to say we're something. talking she... about going to like spring training for baseball which starts in like a week or two and it's in arizona and i was like oh no i am vaccinated but i'm still not sure i'm ready for that much like public exposure but yeah Yeah. we'll see yeah i hear that i feel like it's going to be a long time um before a lot of us who've been very conscious of the risks become comfortable being in those kinds of densely populated situations again yeah and i mean it's like my grandmother got vaccinated the same day i did um and i went and saw her the other day and we both still kind of like wore masks and stuff like that because it's still you know it's still a little too fresh but yeah yeah it's the responsible thing to do it's a great example to set like hey look i've been vaccinated but i'm still wearing a mask because i still want to help control this virus I'll still do that happily. I think a lot of stores will require it too still for probably through the end of the year. And I mean, and for the vaccine, kind of like most people say, uh, for both, I had soreness in the arm that I got injected in. So I'd say do it in your non-dominant arm when you get it. Um, And like as far as side effects, you know, I had like a mild headache and I was kind of like fatigued for one day. Okay, And then, yeah then I was fine. So yeah. Yeah. So similar to the kinds of side effects you might see from the flu, the flu shot. Yeah. That kind of like how you feel the day before you feel like you're going to be really sick, Mm -hmm. Um, but then it goes away. Interesting. Well, Laura, there was also a horrible milestone that we crossed here in America today. Yeah. So we've hit the half a million or 500,000 mark in terms of COVID deaths in the United States. Um, However, in a very different changes or in a, in a change of pace from what we were used to seeing a few months ago, um, President Biden and Vice President Harris are holding a candlelight vigil um, actually on the evening that we're recording this show. So um, certainly really somber news. 
but it's at least nice to see officials at the top of our government treating it seriously. Yeah. Simply acknowledging the loss that we have here. I mean, there is some other death news I wanted to touch on, but it's kind of a lighter story. Sorry for saying that. It's happened again. A gender reveal device has once again killed somebody. Uh, This man was killed in upstate New York when he was putting together this device. The man was the husband of the wife whose gender reveal party it was supposed to be for. So this kid is now going to grow up without a father. People have to stop with all the all these explosive devices around gender reveal parties. I just I can't believe this is still happening. Yeah, what happened to the days of like a piñata <laughs> or like balloons that you just popped or like those cakes with the colored M&Ms in the middle? Yeah. yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Everybody wants that viral Instagram moment. But what does that really get you? Notoriety <laughs> for like 15 seconds. Death. It gets you yeah, death these true. days. You become a headline. <laughs> it seems like if as a society we're still not past the point of pushing babies into prescribed gender roles based on what they're packing downstairs, at least we could not commemorate the occasion by blowing stuff up. <laughs> I'm realizing a lot of shooting the shit or life, as we call it now, has to do with death today. But this is one death we're actually kind of celebrating. Oh, my God, Andrew. I See, I was going to approach this with a little more finesse oh. and be like, you know, we're still on the death topic, but um, it's getting a little less somber, depending on how you look at it. Um, mm-hmm. So Rush Limbaugh, died he has said so many awful things over the years that's why i say we can celebrate this death yeah i mean just to put it in perspective because some people might be young enough that they don't remember a lot of his heyday but this guy like at the height of the aids epidemic he would read a list of names of aids victims who had died that week um Mm -hmm. to like the sound of celebratory music um He's also used he's also just gotten numerous um examples of racial discrimination under his belt. Uh he referred to Chelsea Clinton, who was an underage child at the time, as the first dog. You know, just a really great guy. Um, yeah. I you know, me personally, I'm not one to wish ill on anyone, but I'm also not going to pretend to mourn somebody like this who provided absolutely no positive uh, influence in this world. The memes were great. Yeah, they really were. <laughs> like what? What did you see? Uh, like now, like he was listed as like negative six feet tall because um, he's like <laughs> six feet under. Um, they There were a lot of jokes about like him having a special section in hell. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, I saw people talked about the fact that he died during Black History Month and that being like, you know, a great thing, a boon. So, yeah, pretty chef's kiss. Yeah, Uh, he was also very transphobic. And somebody said something along the lines of um, if Rush Limbaugh is so against gender neutral bathrooms, then why is his grave about to become one? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was a good one. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. (laughs) beautiful but um the irony here of course is that he died of stage four lung cancer 
And he, for a very long time, denied the link between smoking and cancer. Mm. So there Mm. you go. (laughs) He indoctrinated a lot of people. He was very dangerous for this country. And this country and this world uh, are better without him. That's that's all it comes down to. Fair. Condolences to his wife, though. <laughs> Shane's like, I mean, okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you say so. So, Andrew, what's our question of the week for the Discord? I had this thought on my mind because you hear people say certain phrases and they really bug you. What's a phrase that people say all the time that you hate? And I'll start. And we want Discord to chime in in real time here. Um, I have two, actually. Let's say you tell somebody about a crazy decision that somebody made and they reply, well, that's a choice. I, I hate when people use that phrase. I'm I've not the only one who hears that. this. I've never heard that that's either. A choice. What? Yeah. Shane, have no. you? Yeah, I've heard that before. That's a choice. I hear it a lot. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Why, why are you saying that's a choice? Yes, that is a choice. And anything else to say? And then another one that really <laughs> bothers me. And uh, Pam, I'm sorry. I've seen you tweet this one out. <laughs> okay. I see a lot of people say it. When someone is embarrassed to admit what they're doing, they'll say, not me not on me. my third yeah. watch of Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> not me getting into Twilight. I don't say that aloud, though. That's like more, let me just use some internet lingo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know Uh if that makes it better or not, but it's a conscious choice on my end. And I think what bugs me about this one is I just hate how it's caught on. I I, I see a lot of people using it on social media primarily. We know it is you. We, haha, is that a joke? Like, I don't, I don't think it's funny. So not me, not me liking that phrase. Not me not, not liking that phrase. I think uh, one for me is the, I did a thing. So uh, anytime somebody like gets engaged or has a kid or like gets a new job, posting and like I'm not trying to offend anybody who's done this. I just see it a lot like posting a picture or like a screenshot of something. And then it just says like, I did a thing or we did a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's we old. We did a thing. Just a thing. Yeah. Not a big deal. Just a little thing. I'm like, oh, you a created thing. a whole other human being. Yeah, that that is a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. <laughs> That is a choice. Uh, for me, it would probably be no offense, but only when the person really does mean offense and just wants to get the <laughs> the heat taken off of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what like, I mean? Like yeah. People, anytime people say that include... in person and you're just like, but you did mean to offend. You can't just say no offense, but, you know, I hate this certain group of people. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't absolve that you're being a terrible person by saying no offense it's the but right it's like yeah no offense but but (laughs) i'm Mm -hmm. not racist but (laughs) (laughs) shane what's the phrase that bothers you i was trying to think about this and honestly like i don't i don't really care most of the time but i mean a lot of it's annoying but like i think the thing that bothers me the most is like business talk people like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have that to you, EOD. Or like, <laughs> yeah. people who say finance instead of finance. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it just drives me crazy. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, corporate buzzwords, like, mm-hmm. um, nice synergy. I don't have the bandwidth you? for that. Yeah, I don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. Ugh. E-meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, e-meat. Just said, that's a good one. Ugh. 
I've done that before and I hated myself for it. Yeah, I've done that before too. And it was like a once and never again. It was just not for me. I typed and sent it and then was like, I hate myself. It was like, nice to meet you too. Because I felt like I had to because they said it. Right. Right. You don't want to be a dick. Was it not nice to meet them digitally? Next time I'm just going to say, yeah, nice to meet you too. And just. Yeah. Yeah. Call it a day. I mean, I'm fine with saying that. Nice to meet you over email. I mean, I would rather meet you over email than over than in person. Uh, but the e-meet in particular is is very tacky. Yeah. I see that a lot on I'm I'm always like two minutes away from deleting my LinkedIn and I and I see that a lot on LinkedIn. Laura, you actually you probably didn't realize it. You used a uh, business buzzword sort of with me earlier today in our Slack. What and did I, say? I was trying well, I was trying to act cool, so like I didn't question it. I was just like, "Oh yeah, totally." You said directs. It's people who report to you, like direct oh, reports. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. all right. I'll Got keep it. that in mind next time we're talking <laughs> about work. Basically, any don't use any business buzzwords around me. I I don't know them. Okay. You know what's really funny though is that people that work at Disneyland do this too because there's all this like Disney employee lingo and I can't think of yeah. like certain examples off the top of my head but then they just like assume that you know what they're trying to tell you. It's like I don't know yeah. half of the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. That's a yeah I, I know of those words you're talking about too. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem with society on a whole like yeah. people just don't realize that they need to add context to some things that they say. Um, Jennifer brought up the new normal as a phrase to hate. I agree. (laughs) I'm so tired of hearing that. It's not new anymore. (laughs) The new normal is the new normal. Oh, Justin brought up a good one. When companies talk about their users, but use other words like neighbors, for example. (laughs) Ew. Yeah. Shelby said, that's it. That's the tweets. I think that has been overdone. I like it, but I think it's time to retire it. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That one has been around for a while, for yep. sure. Yeah. Oh, Shelby said, let's circle back to that. That's another one. <laughs> I use that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, or, uh, that's what you say when you're either like done talking about something or you need time to figure out how you feel about something and you don't want to do that calculus on the spot. So totally. or if you know you're going to say no and you just want to yeah, make that person like, think that you might say yes. <laughs> yeah. Let me draft up how I'm going to say no. Right. Exactly. Amanda said she has seen the phrase now more than ever in every commercial. hundred <sighs> percent. Pam uses 100 percent. And I noticed I do. she stopped because I called it out on the show. But I wish I, I hope it's going to make a comeback. It, it does. But the thing is, is like it. It doesn't need to be said as much. So that's kind of like my um. I just have to pepper it in. You know, variety is the spice of life. And you can't use too much spice in anything. So you I for the record, I don't think you used it too often on Millennial. I think it was like one once, maybe twice per episode, which is fine. I just a lot of times. Yeah. But it was just enough where I thought it could be a good like. Uh, you know, something we could print on a shirt. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's more sophisticated than my persistent usage of, I mean, 
You do use that a lot. I do. No, I remember when I got called out for it. You know, which one I know that I say a lot is, does that make sense? And somebody told me once that it was, it sounded really condescending. And in my head, I was like, well, that sounds like a you problem because I really just, it's a self reflection (laughs) on me because I know that I'm ranting and I just want to make sure that like you, you got what I was trying to put down. So, you know, I've heard that before too. And I don't know what a good substitute for that would be because I want to be sensitive to people and I don't want it to be like you know what I mean because that doesn't sound as I don't know doesn't sound as nice I know everybody's filler words but I'm not going to say them on the show because once I bring them up everybody because you don't want it to be another 100% (laughs) no 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 no, because I don't want the listeners to catch on they they might not realize it so I just I, I keep them quiet All right. And if you'd like to take part in our question of the week, you can join the Millennial Discord by signing up at patreon.com slash millennial at the $5 support tier. We've got all kinds of fun benefits on the Patreon, like the Discord, our flagship benefit after dark, monthly video hangouts, variety shows, and so much more. And we'd like to give a special shout out and thank you to our latest patrons. They are Christina, Elizabeth, Katie S, Ellen, David, Katie K, and A. Thanks to all of you for joining in support of the show. It means a whole lot to us to have your listenership and support, and we are so happy to have you in our millennial family. Isn't A the pretty little liars villain or whatever? Apparently. It is. She's going to start, or they're going to start sending us texts that say something, something threatening bitches. That's what I feel like that always was. Do you know that person's real name? A? I mean, that's just what's on their profile. (laughs) All right, we need to look into this person. What if it's a family member? What if it's a spy? What if it's an enemy? Who's A? How many enemies do you have? (laughs) Look, it's been a long life already. Wow. All right, I'm going to take a look at A while you (laughs) kick off our political. Oh, okay, this looks all right. Okay. Oh, they live in Hawaii. Oh, that's so nice. Right, so they're definitely not suspicious if they live in Hawaii, right? Hell no. (laughs) <laughs> Easy living down there. Andrew's like, I can crash on your couch. Doesn't, right, doesn't our listener Katie in the Discord also live in Hawaii? Maybe they can, uh, you know, do some digging for us. And yes, make sure here, that I'll we're give good. you the... Uh, right. right. John <laughs> said maybe it could have been Emerson. Yeah, we got to check. There is no way Emerson <laughs> would pay us just to do recon. Oh, true. Right. Yeah. Absolutely not. Because he doesn't pay you anyway, the things that he's supposed to, right? Yeah, Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, he's not going to start paying us back now. Yeah, right? Okay, well, um, jumping into some politics here, we all remember when Governor Chris Cuomo was a rock star during the Trump era of the pandemic, right? He was doing those daily press briefings. Uh, Generally speaking, folks were pretty impressed with him and the leadership and the steady hand that he was providing the country in the absence of some much-needed leadership in Washington, Um, Well, his star power has taken a hit over the last couple of weeks, and we felt that it was important to address it, kind of talk about it. We can't fail to mention the failures um, that occur even amongst people who were more ideologically aligned with. Basically, what happened is um, in late January, the New York State Attorney General released a report that revealed that 
the Cuomo administration had underreported the number of COVID deaths among long-term care facilities um, by as much as 50%. So pretty substantial. That's a shocking amount of people. That's not something that you do accidentally. Glad you mentioned that. The reason that this matters, we have to kind of go back a little bit towards the beginning of the pandemic. Um, On March 25th, the Department of Health in New York mandated that nursing homes could not deny readmission to um, residents based on confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. So this meant that potentially... Uh, residents of these long-term care facilities could be readmitted regardless of their COVID-19 status. Um, It wasn't until May 10th of last year that Governor Cuomo announced a new policy that prevented hospitals from discharging these patients until they tested negative. Um, But effectively, what this means is there was about a six-week period of residents of these long-term care facilities being able to re-enter um, the facilities, regardless of their COVID status. Um, and where this gets pretty bad <laughs> is that um, in a phone call with Democratic state lawmakers, a Cuomo aide admitted that they had put off um, a request for this data for fear that the Trump administration would, quote, use the information against us. Yikes. So not a good look. <laughs> that could have been a real problem, though, because like Trump was like causing issues for all the democrat states yeah so it's kind of it's kind of difficult and also this is the same thing that disney does i mean no one dies at disney people die on route to the hospital yeah right yeah they proclaim they're dead once they're off property i guess disney doesn't let them like you know check the heart rate until the body's off property oh my goodness (laughs) yeah i think the the real like crux of the problem here is that there was a six-week period of a potential increase in COVID spreading through these long-term care facilities based on um, patients being released back to them regardless of their COVID status. And I certainly understand why this could be a tricky situation for someone like Cuomo, who already had a lot of attention on him and We knew that the Trump administration, to Shane's point, was actively trying to undermine, quote, democratic states. So I'm wondering from all of you, and I think Shane um, touched on it a moment ago, but do we understand this inclination towards withholding the truth to avoid this potential damage from the administration? (laughs) That's really tough. Yeah. Because, I mean, what if... They did give over the complete picture and then the Trump administration did something that made things worse. So I, it seems like a, here's a phrase that's also used too often, rock in a hard place situation. But I, ultimately, I do think they needed to be truthful. Yes. Part of me just kind of feels like it's a bit of an easy scapegoat to pin this on, you know, pointing the finger at what the Trump administration might have done. Mm -hmm. if they had been truthful. And that's really interesting because I think usually it's the other way around, right? It has been the other way around for the past four years as you've had the Trump administration pointing the finger at everybody else. I don't know. I don't really know what the right answer is here, honestly. Yeah, it's hard because we tell ourselves that 
we don't want to be like them, them meaning like the Trump apologists. Um, but this does feel like a circumstance where I'm I'm like, if Trump was your only excuse for not releasing this information and being truthful about it, I, I guess I just don't personally understand because the pandemic has been a shit show all around. And I think that we would all benefit from being able to admit where we messed up, you know? Like it's yeah, for yeah. Sure. there there's yeah. been so much new information, especially in these early days of the pandemic in March and April. Like there was still so much we didn't know then. And I feel like being honest about it at the time probably would have done better for the Cuomo administration than holding on to this as long as they did. It's kind of funny because if they had been honest, then they could have still pointed the finger if that's what they wanted to do and said that the the government on the whole didn't prepare them well enough to figure out mm-hmm. how to deal with everything that they were trying to deal with in the in the time. Yeah, and what I find striking about this is that a lot of the calls for accountability are coming from fellow Democrats on this issue. So it's not even like this is small potatoes and Republicans are just digging it up for distraction fodder. Um, Many of Cuomo's own are calling for him to be held accountable. So it's early days to say what it could mean for his political career. He's still viewed immensely favorably by the people of New York. So I would say it's probably... Um, going to be a sensitive spot for a while, but I can't see this being something that people are still talking about in a couple years' time. Yeah, I agree with that. Given everything else he's done for the state and how well-liked he is, yeah, I, I don't think ultimately it's like a nail in the coffin for him. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Ron DeSantis did the same thing. Mm, well, that's that's yep. a whole different state. They're crazy down there. Sorry to anybody who lives in Florida. <laughs> well, and also uh, DeSantis's party is not going to hold him accountable. So they like that he underreported. That's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> oh, my God, Andrew, that's another phrase. That's a feature, <laughs> yes. not a bug. <laughs> Looking more towards uh, the South now. Um we have to talk about Winter Storm Yuri. Have you guys been following this? Mm-hmm. If you said to me, Andrew, can you believe Winter Storm Yuri? I wouldn't know what you're talking about. But if you said, Andrew, can you believe that storm in Texas? I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. I've I've been hearing tons about it. I never knew this storm's name. That's my, that's my point. Yeah. The reason that I wanted to start with Yuri is obviously a lot of this conversation has to do with Texas because Texas has really been ground zero for the biggest infrastructure fails (laughs) that um, the country has seen in the face of the storm. But um, Yuri has actually paralyzed more than Texas. Um, We're looking at impacts in Louisiana, Mississippi, all the way out to West Virginia, all the way up to Ohio. So really like the entire (laughs) center of the country was impacted in one way or another. Um, But the reason that Texas is um, so noteworthy is um, because Texas actually privatized its power grid a couple of decades ago, making it the only state-run power grid in the country. Um, This was, of course, a move towards deregulation by Texas Republicans. Uh, Republicans tend to love the idea of deregulation, 
thinking that deregulating something like the state's entire power grid would open up more opportunities for the free market (laughs) to have its impact. Um, And apparently to them, this means freedom. Unfortunately, when your state's power grid is regulated by private companies and not uh, the federal government, you're not going to get a consistent treatment with the rest of the country. And it can lead to disasters like this one, where there were nearly 5 million people without power for multiple days to the point where I actually have friends who live out there. One of my friends, the interior of her apartment was 41 degrees. There were others whose temperatures were far lower than that. Dallas actually got as cold as four degrees in Dallas, which is just unheard of. Um, There were people who had icicles forming inside of their homes because of how cold it had gotten. People froze to death in their beds, in their cars. People froze to death in jails. Um, It's really, really disturbing how bad this was allowed to get, especially knowing that um, the last time Texas had a major winter storm in 2011, they were warned that this exact thing could happen if they didn't step up their regulation for their power grid. Um, And the, the reason that so many people were without power for so long was that Texas had no choice but to um, run rolling blackouts in order to keep the outages from being sustained for lengthy periods of time in multiple areas. Unfortunately, that's what ended up happening because the more affluent areas seemed to be less impacted by these rolling blackouts than poorer areas. So that result (laughs) occurred anyway. Um, And by the way, Texas Senator Ted Cruz used to criticize California for doing these rolling blackouts. Yeah, one of the big jokes related to Ted Cruz, certainly. Um, So there's just been an enormous human toll when it comes to this. Um, You know, things are thawing and that might lead. That might lead people to think, oh, everything's going to be okay. But the problem now that everything's thawing is people are discovering that their pipes have either burst or have run completely dry. So now people don't have access to potable water. Um, So the crisis is just compounding on itself. Um, I was reading a report of somebody who was told by their plumber that he wouldn't be able to get there to address their issue for seven months. Wow. She had to get a plumber friend who lives out of state to get on a video call with her to walk her through a temporary patch so that she could get her water running. Like the stuff that people are dealing with is just unreal. And what's also unreal are some of these insane power bills. So because Texas privatized its power grid, private companies moved in and they're now able to charge surge pricing (laughs) for when um, these resources become more limited. There are many people who were charged Upwards of $17,000. That's nuts. Due to the demand for power. What really sucks about this is for the people who had their power bills on auto pay 
and actually got charged for this. Yeah. Do you think the state's going to do anything about this? Because we've been hearing a lot of stories like these with the high bills. I guess they can't, right? Because of how the grid is set up there and how many private companies are... They fucking privatized it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And these private companies are talking about setting up 10-year repayment plans for people. Ew, um, what? Yeah, so as though disgusting. these companies yeah, as though these companies think that this is a reasonable thing that happened. But yeah, I agree. I think the state should step in. Um and at the very least cover the costs of these bills. If this was what you decided you wanted for your free market, then you need to step up to the plate when, you know, the impacts negatively hit your constituents. So yeah, it's super messed up. Uh, even more messed up is what Texas's esteemed senator did <laughs> in the face of this crisis. Flying crews, Cancun crews, fled crews. So, yeah, as everybody knows by now, during the storm, he decides to fly off to Cancun with his family. Everybody was in shock. His state is going through one of the worst crises in in its history, maybe at least modern history. And the senator just decides to go on vacation to somewhere warm because it's too cold. And what can he do to help? There are two key moments that just make you LMAO. Um, First of all, this ass fuck blamed his preteen daughters. He said, my kids wanted to go down to Cancun. I wanted to be a good father, so I decided to take them down. I was going to fly back the following day, which is not true. We know for a couple reasons. One, it was reported. Somebody found out through a source at United that he initially had that flight booked through Sunday, um, which was not a 24-hour trip. And then two, his wife decided to text some of their family friends and said, hey, we're thinking of going to Cancun. Want to go with us? Well, somebody, actually two people in this group chat, decided to leak these group text conversations and give them to the New York Times. What's amazing about this is that two people were willing to rat out their friends, the cruises. I just can't believe this betrayal. I mean, not even the cruises' friends like the cruises. This is just hilarious to me. Do you think they've been playing the long game? Like they've stayed friends with Heidi for a long time, waiting for this moment that they knew would inevitably come. Right, we're going to rat these fuckers out. Embarrass them. I just like, I'm still hung up on this, like, that the statement from Cruz's office actually contained this BS excuse about how he wanted to be a good father for his preteen daughters. When like, if he really wanted to be a good father, he would have taught them about privilege and how not everybody in Texas can afford to fly away to Cancun at a moment's notice to escape the blackouts. And how the answer to cold weather isn't always going to be run off to Cancun. Right. This also just shows that, he felt useless during this time. And I mean, maybe you are, Senator. You're not involved in the working a, a crisis like this, but you have to pretend like you're involved. Go out and volunteer. AOC raised $5 million in counting for Texas while his ass would have been down in Cancun. It's pathetic. Yeah, and Beto O'Rourke was um, teaming up with AOC on that as well. And I guess it was around that time that we learned that Beto is considering running for governor out there Mm. so hopefully (laughs) they really need it because abbott is also an asshole he went on tv and was blaming windmills 
for oh, this yeah. breakdown, which makes no sense because windmills account for like what ten percent of the power that Texas generates. So yeah, but it was hilarious because they were putting out this talking point and saying that, see, this is the America you can expect under the Green New Deal, and the Green New Deal is it's just a resolution, like. It, it's not yeah. been enacted. There's nothing about it that is real other than the piece of paper that it's printed on. Mm-hmm. That uh, pirate guy was talking about that too. Dan Crenshaw, representative from Texas. Yeah, oh, he's like, yeah. and it's all these green batteries because mm-hmm. the batteries can't stand up in the cold. And I saw an astronaut who replied and was like, we use batteries in space. So <laughs> yeah, pretty sure <laughs> they're fine. fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> what did Chase and Buttigieg say? Oh, Yes. The best tweet. If you like pina coladas and getting caught on a plane, it's like hilarious. There's so many Margaritaville jokes about that. (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah, it was uh, pretty entertaining to be on Twitter while all that was happening. And like I said, this story stretched several days. Um, And then, by the way, on Sunday, Cruz tweeted photos of himself volunteering in Texas with the hashtag Texas Strong. It's like, dude. You're supposed to be down in Cancun right now. Please, this is not the weekend to be acting like uh, you wanted to volunteer all along. And it also just reminds us, hey, asshole, you could have been volunteering instead of flying down to Cancun. Yeah. And there's just there's horror stories from all over the state. I was reading about um, a prison in Houston that had thousands of um, of people held there for, you know, low-level nonviolent offenses who were simply stuck there because they couldn't afford the cash bail to get out. So they were stuck there freezing without potable water, without um, a place to relieve themselves because the plumbing was all fucked up. So just another example of how when a crisis like this hits, it shines a bright light on all of our other deficiencies. Pam, give us an uplifting story. We can't take all this. Yeah, that was the plan with this one, because sometimes politics stories can be nice and heartwarming. Um, Dolly Parton continues to be national treasure. Uh, She was actually meant to potentially be turned into a statue. Like Tennessee wanted to erect a statue in Dolly Parton's honor at the state capitol. They were looking to put a bill forward that would have found the state doing this and it would have been entirely funded by donations but dolly said no she said thanks but no thanks and she released this really nice little message on twitter saying that she just felt like given that everything that's going on in the world it wasn't the right time for her to be put on a pedestal and that you know later on maybe after she was gone if they decided they wanted to do this and she wasn't around to say no that she would be honored but that it's not the time to do it right now so i just thought that this was really nice and i wanted to bring it up because you know we needed a little feel good story yeah exactly Dolly's not political but she also turned down the presidential medal from trump twice so just throwing that out there yeah (laughs) i love her yeah i didn't know that and i love her even more now and then she funded the the vax like the vaccines and yeah like the research right yeah yeah the research she's she's doing good work behind the scenes and sometimes you know in front of the scenes And all this will get her a statue anyway. She also runs, um, I forget the name of it, but she runs a children's literary program where she provides free books to kids in need. So she's just. That's great. Yeah. Great energy. Yeah. Anybody, I guess anybody can sign up for that. I thought it was only 
like kids in Tennessee, but I guess you can sign up even if you don't live in the state and your kid gets a free book every year on their birthday or something like that or once a month. It It's pretty cool. Yeah. What a woman of the people. Seriously, be a Dolly Parton, not a Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> we all knew she'd be awesome when she wrote <laughs> 9 to 5. I mean, that's a very woman of the people song. Very relatable tune. Working <laughs> 9 to 5. So uh, Facebook's working nine to five to fight this decision that Apple has made in recent months. Soon, Apple is going to begin asking you if you want to allow apps to track your activity across apps and websites. This setting has actually always been on by default, which is why you get very specific advertising, advertising that appeals to you. Um, And that's the key here. Facebook is very scared of Apple giving you the choice to turn off tracking across apps and web browsers and websites because it means they'll have a harder time serving you ads that might be of interest to you. An estimate has found that Facebook and Google are going to lose 25 billion with a B collectively over the next year. So obviously that's a ton of money. There's a lot on the line here. And it's just because Apple is going to start asking users, hey, do you want this app to track you? Now, Facebook has claimed they're just looking out for small businesses because small businesses, is, which is true, uh, use advertising to find new customers. Of course, we get that. But there's a lot else at play here. And Shane, I think you actually think Facebook might be hypocrites. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe small businesses, as long as they're not like news sources, like in Australia, where Facebook just pulled all news because they didn't want to follow new laws that they implemented there. Um, that would require them to pay the news creators for the content to be shared. So now there's just no news in, in, in Australia at all. Yeah. On Facebook feeds. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's peak Facebook right there. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, it doesn't seem like Facebook is truly looking out for the little guy. My only they question never here, are. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. They took out full page newspaper ads protesting this. They are not happy with Apple. My only question for the panel is when Apple asks us in the coming months if we want to allow Instagram and Facebook to track us, will we say no or will we keep those on? Probably say no. I usually, if I have the option, like even if if there's like a location settings option, I'll at most I'll do when I'm using the app. Same. But but it's really easy to just turn that on if you need it. So like if in the event I needed an app to track me, I have no problem just like, you know, opting out and then opting in if necessary. I'm going to say no because I don't want them tracking me. And honestly, I don't really want to help Facebook's bottom line either. I think it depends on what the situation is going to be because if it's like how... um like you have to accept the terms and agreements or whatever. It's like either click yes, you accept or click you're going to close and not ever use our service at all. (laughs) So it's kind of like the question is, are they going to box you into that option? Oh, yeah. That's that's a a really good point. Facebook won't, but other apps might. You're right. Um, But yeah, so keep an eye out for that. And Android might do something like this down the line. That's another reason I wanted to bring it up. Now, Android is owned by Google and Google has a ad business with billions of dollars on the line. So maybe they won't. Okay, well, something that I saw that jumped out at me um, that I thought looked really interesting. um, Donald Glover has tapped Malia Obama to write for his upcoming TV series, Hive. It's reportedly going to revolve around a powerful Beyonce-esque figure. 
And Malia Obama is definitely well positioned to do this. She uh, interned with the Weinstein Company, which like eek, but you know, that was before all of that came out. Um, But she just also seems like a highly creative type. So I'm not surprised that she would go this way, especially considering uh, the fact that her parents have their own Netflix deal and their other projects. Like, Andrew, I know you were talking about how uh, Obama and Springsteen's podcast is going to put us out of business. So, Yeah, yeah, they just announced that today. (laughs) It's very interesting to see Obama, all Obamas, seemingly, enter the world of entertainment. You know, podcasts, the Netflix deals, they've got a lot going on. I remember when they announced this Netflix deal, I was honestly shocked because it just wasn't a path I saw them taking. But it's a it's a medium where they can get the word out to a very large platform very quickly. So maybe it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And they are doing a lot of good work. It's not just straight up entertainment. There's a lot of educational material um, in the works with the Obamas as well. But I thought this was interesting because it feels kind of on the nose. Like it's called Hive, but it's about a Beyonce-esque figure. <laughs> Yeah. Um and I was like, oh, like we're like we're really taking the beehive <laughs> um terminology. And like not to say that there's anything wrong with it and um I think it could be really cool given the fact that we know that Beyonce is at least somewhat close with the Obama family, so yeah. Malia might have some unique insights there that she can use to inform the work she does. Speaking of Beyonce, we said, Shane, do you have anything you want to talk about? And you included Beyonce's Icy Park. What do you want to say about this? I'm very curious. Uh, I don't know. Just super briefly, uh, I've gotten something from every one of her drops. Uh, <laughs> really? This one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate naming because she's a Texan and Texas is frozen <laughs> right now. But um, I mean, she gave a bunch of money, so I guess that works out. And she did like a partnership with Adidas to do it. Um, I think it's just crazy. It's like, it. I mean, and I realize now that she's just releasing all of the same things in different colors. But um, <laughs> it's kind of cool. And you see like all her celebrity friends like getting their like box of stuff from her. And um, it's just... I don't know. It's something to do. Like, like everyone says, buy shoes and, and bags and stuff because uh, there's nothing else to buy, nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting that she's like leveraging this like Adidas partnership, um, but in a different way than like Kanye is or like all these other people because she's using it to like springboard and say like. Hey, Adidas, also give me money for these social projects I want to do. So ah. I think it's just really interesting. Yeah. Because um, like with her last one, she did like a, like a thing with Adidas where they did like mindfulness and like meditation programs. Like like my cousin actually was one of the people who did one oh, wow. for Adidas. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's really interesting for you to highlight the difference Um between, you know, someone like Beyonce and someone like Kanye, you know, Beyonce uses her platform to try and inject good into the world. And someone like Kanye is unfortunately using that to um, boost his own image and, you know, potentially run for president in certain states. Shane, I think he got 60,000 votes. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. I think terrifying. I remember you saying that he was on your ballot. Yeah. He was um, 
But that's what's so confusing and terrible because he wasn't on my ballot as president. He was on my ballot as vice president. So it's like, not only are you like diluting the voting pool, but it's like, it's not even clear what you're running for because you just did whatever you could do to get on any ballot you could. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really know that about Ivy Park uh, and Icy Park, Shane about the charitable work that's going on. So thanks for sharing that. I just saw it as overpriced fitness equipment initially, but it looks like they're doing more <laughs> too now, like winter clothing and stuff. Icy Park. Uh, also, a lot of uh, Beyonce's showing a lot of ass in, in some of these promo photos. Good for her. Like full ass. Like I'm surprised that wasn't front page news in the New York Times. <laughs> well, it was also like controversial because the first couple of lines didn't have like plus size clothing. And so it's like, oh, who's this for? Yeah, yeah. Like it can fit Beyonce because hers is custom. And then everyone else has to be medium. A custom butt? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, custom clothes. Got it. Okay. okay. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. If I looked like Beyonce, I would be showing my ass off to the world too. So (laughs) no hate. Uh, Shane, I know you also shared a couple trailers too, right? That came out. Well, yeah. So Mortal Kombat looks amazing i'm really excited blood and guts and explosions you know i like that kind of thing i also (laughs) like like nomad land which is a good quiet movie it just came out but um the other side of the trailer thing is like cruella which i just don't understand yes don't get it are they gonna try to make (laughs) us sympathize with her it's like an origin story right oh is that it i don't know i think it must be an origin story because emma stone is a good bit younger than the traditional Cruella portrayal that we see. Right. So, so it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, origin. It is. It's set against the um, 1970s punk scene in London. And she's a grifter named Estella. And she really is like super scrappy, wants to get into the fashion game with her like revolutionary designs. And then she meets Emma Thompson's character, who is like a high fashion designer and some stuff goes down between those two. And then she just like goes on this revenge kick. Um, One of the things that I thought was really interesting is I saw this post on Tumblr that was um, comparing and contrasting some images from the Cruella trailer versus what we saw in Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker. And it is kind of like scarily very similar. Really? Yeah, just kind of like the the slow descent into madness until, you know, they become the characters that we know. I don't want to have to feel bad for her by the end of the movie or something. I don't want this to be some story about, you know, she was likable, she was good, and then this made her bad. You know, there's a trend where they try to make these enemies, these these foes, these antagonists, human. Yeah, it's a, a product of their circumstance instead of just thinking, like, some people are just bad, and that's it. And wouldn't it be great if they could just show us that, like... I'm not not saying that I don't appreciate the exercise of looking at the other side of the coin, right? But instead of trying to make me feel sorry for like the Grinch is a great example I like to think of. I'm like, I hated that Jim Carrey movie where they tried to humanize the Grinch. Like, just stop. Just let him be who he is. Yeah. And maybe we would appreciate movies like Cruella more if they just sought out to show these characters for who they are. Like... Something happened to her in her life, clearly, if she wants to make coats out of puppy fur. Right. You know, yeah. but like we can accept that and just 
look at an interesting character study as opposed to, you know, necessarily needing to uh, commiserate with her. Right. And P.S. We've already had a Cruella movie. So it's like we all need another one. Thank oh, you. yeah, Glenn Close. Yeah. Yeah, I saw online, they were like, they're going to do an Ursula movie next, and it's just going to be like, she failed law school. And so <laughs> she just, she only did like her contracts class. And so that's why she wants to make all these like evil contracts. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's just as dumb, though. It's well, like. Yeah, and I mean, Maleficent, that was another enemy movie. There was two of those movies. We're supposed to like her, I think, by the end of it. I don't know if I saw the second one. That one really, like, set the trend, though, you know? For live so action like, retelling. Yeah, for live yeah. action, misunderstood, notorious Disney villains. Ugh, man, I don't like this trend. And now I heard today they're going to do, like, a Magic Kingdom TV series on Disney+. Plus. I'm like, that just sounds tacky to me. <laughs> and it's going to be a whole franchise. Ugh, no thanks. So one thing I wanted to talk about this week is... The new Clubhouse app, which some of you listening might have heard of, it's getting a lot of buzz. And just because it is a hot topic right now, we thought it would be nice to talk a little bit about what it is, how you sign up um, and, and kind of give you like the in a nutshell uh, definition for this in case you're curious about it, but you haven't read up on it yourself. So basically, Clubhouse launched in spring 2020. So it's barely coming up on a year of going live. Um, it's audio only based and it allows you to join and create chat rooms to discuss various topics. It's kind of like listening to podcasts in real time. Uh, the mm. audio doesn't save though. So there's like a bit of that kind of Snapchat element. Uh, so you can't listen back, but it does have uh, the potential for audience participation, which is kind of cool because usually when you're listening to like a radio program or like a, a podcast, you can't actually like chime in or uh, you don't have the ability to ask to chime in. So basically how rooms work is you have speakers. Those are the people doing the talking and then listeners. And then if you are listening, you can raise your hand and ask a question or contribute something to the conversation if a speaker lets you into the speaker category. Um, and so that's basically just the gist of it. I think that one of the biggest reasons why Clubhouse is getting so much buzz is because it's pretty exclusive. So you can only download and play around with it. If you're on iOS, there's no Android app for it right now, although they are working on developing one. And it's also still invite only. So you either have to like know somebody that can move you up on the list or um, I think that's basically how it works for now. Uh, so there's that. And anytime anything is kind of like exclusive, I think it kind of draws more eyes toward it. Right. People are like, why can't I get in? So we all signed up for this a few weeks ago. Um, and I wanted to know if you guys had had a chance to play around with it or if you just signed up and forgot about it. Yeah, I got an invite. Got an invite. Felt very important. Very <laughs> cool. So here's the big thing for me with Clubhouse. Like you mentioned, it's live and you can't play these conversations back later. It's like Snapchat. I love that. That's what makes it different. And I think what's really cool about it is that with like a podcast, we're recording something right now, it's going to be edited, and then it's going to be played back, you know, this week, next week for the rest of time. Clubhouse, there's a lot less pressure because it's not recorded. You can say whatever the hell you want and probably get away with it because nobody's mm -hmm. recording it. Nobody's going to remember it. So I find that really interesting. 
um, Laura joined while I was actually in the app and I got a notification that said, uh, Laura just joined. Do you want to welcome her? So I did. And then we were talking in Clubhouse, just the two of us. And I was saying to Laura that it just be it would just be so cool to talk about like pizza for an hour on Clubhouse because it doesn't matter. You're doing you're doing it once and then never again. It also reminds me of like conferences in the real world, like going to a conference and learning about a certain industry. It's like that in that you go hear somebody speak, and then usually those panels aren't available. I know sometimes you can pay to hear everything afterwards, but that stuff isn't published online. Either you were there and you experienced it and you learned something, or you weren't. So this is also like a perfect time to launch something like this because conferences aren't happening right now, um, and people do miss conferences. So I, overall, I like it just because there's a lot less responsibility. There's a lot less pressure. Yeah, I also liked it because when you sign up, it asks you uh, from the jump about what categories you're most interested in. So you can start out by giving it an idea of some of the things that you would like to see curated in your feed. Um, so in addition to talking to Andrew, I was just scrolling through my feed after that, and I noticed there was a whole... Uh, patois conversation room where it was just like literally 40 people in there speaking patois and I don't speak patois but I was just interested to hear it so I sat in it for a few minutes and I'm sure maybe it seemed weird that I was uh, the only non-patois speaker in there but it's a cool way to learn and get to experience things you wouldn't otherwise get to yeah um also, it was a little little weird because Andrew called me while I was like sitting on the couch in the living room. I was not expecting the call. And I was just like, hey. I was on the couch, too, only on Clubhouse. Oh, my God. We couldn't podcast Twins. from the couch except when I threw my back out. <laughs> but my mom like came in the room and she just goes, was that Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> what is it's he talking like, yeah, about mom. pizza for? <laughs> That's cute. I signed up today and I don't get it. You don't get it? I, I mean, I signed up like like two hours ago. So it's oh, like, okay. I followed the three of you and my okay. other friend who invited me, and I don't get it. You know what else I really yeah. like about it is that when, you know, if you're looking for a piece of audio to listen to, let's say you're going for a walk and you don't have any new podcasts to listen to, there's always going to be something here streaming now. And of course, people yeah. love live. It makes it extra exciting. I do wonder, though, how well this is going to stick because that feature of going live is something that already exists on most major social platforms that everyone has access to and doesn't need a special invite code to go to. Well, eventually it'll be open to everybody. Yeah. I think what makes Clubhouse yeah. stand out is that it's so easy to jump in and start something. I will say that like I and I haven't played around with this very much, but I've noticed a lot of um, influencers. I hate that word, but like influencers that I follow have been um, running ad campaigns for stereo. And that kind of seems to be very similar to uh, Clubhouse in the sense that it is audio only. And, you know, there's like a live broadcast element, but those broadcasts can be saved to listen to after. So I guess maybe the allure is that you don't have to worry about your conversations automatically getting saved. Um, TikTok, the TikTok live feature does not save your lives. So that's kind of similar. But it's also that's like a video platform first and not everybody wants yeah. to be on video but like most people might be comfortable just shooting the shit 
I need to give a shout out to Jewel because uh, she was the one who gained me admittance to the exclusive world of uh, Clubhouse. Nice. So thanks, Jewel. Clubhouse kind of reminds me of the early days of podcasting because there there is a lot less pressure. I mean, we've done podcasts before where we just sit and talk for an hour. No plans. We just shoot the shit for the whole hour. That's now I people create clubhouses with a plan, but I feel like you could walk start a clubhouse and just shoot the shit for an hour without any plan. And a lot of people would probably really like it because you're just listening in on a on a casual conversation amongst friends. So I haven't used it too much, but I'm gonna keep my eye on it. Um, it is invite only now, but it will eventually open up to everybody. There will be an Android app at some point as well. And um, yeah, I don't know. I would I would love to do stuff on Clubhouse. Just talk about nothing for a half hour. Sounds like fun. Or talk about something very specific that is also very stupid, like chicken sandwiches. Well, today we're here to review the brand new McDonald's chicken sandwich. I can't believe they're ripping off Chick-fil-A, and yet I'm so not surprised. Yes, I'm very excited for this new McDonald's chicken sandwich that is coming soon. Aren't you guys? That's a real question. Oh, is that is that a real thing that's coming out? Yes. Oh, they already have a chicken, chicken sandwich. Is it like a chicken sandwich on steroids or something? This is a like Chick-fil-A a ripoff. One? It's going to be a oh, buttered okay. bun with pickles, Southern style, like total Chick-fil-A ripoff. I'll send you guys more info. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Join my clubhouse <laughs> event for more information. <laughs> I had a confession because I was like, oh, let me pull up clubhouse and see what's going on there to give me something to riff on. Apparently, I deleted the app from my phone after I used it that first time. So I just had to download it. Again. You hated our you conversation still, so much. Do you still the... have your access or do you have to I like, do. okay, good. <laughs> yeah, no, the, account, the account still exists. But I also noticed that like, because, you know, it pulls from your contacts. So people that you have in your phone to show you which of your contacts are already on there. And I like don't like a lot of these people you know what i, so I think that's I my other problem. that's like my biggest pet peeve whenever i'm signing up for any social media um site is that they want to pull from my contacts on my phone it's like i don't want you know this person in my family knowing that i'm on this account yeah like true. I, don't, I don't want it to be traced back to me i just want to like i agree not everybody that. that's in my phone needs to know Right. I would be shook if I saw that somebody from my family was on Clubhouse. <laughs> I'm just imagining my grandma being on there. How'd she get an invite? <laughs> my my uncle's the one who sent me the invite. So it's Whoa. funny that you mentioned that. Oh. Yeah. He was like, I don't know if you're on this yet, but it feels like something you should be on. And I was like, Thanks, Uncle Eddie. Wow. Shout out to you. Yeah. Cool. Uncle. I think that gives an answer about your privacy. Uh, setting questions though because it asked me on clubhouse if i wanted to share my contacts and i said no oh yeah fuck us for saying yes i know (laughs) it's true i need to go back because i like looked at it and i was like yeah these people are all in my address book but nah (laughs) well all right one episode it's been we have some recommendations I want to recommend following NASA's Mars rover, the one that just landed on Mars, following them over on Twitter, at NASA Persevere is the Twitter account. It's like a real-life Wally because they're pre- they're pretending that the, the Mars rover is doing the tweeting, um, and they're posting photos uh, from the rover. It's super interesting, and of course, it's really fascinating that we've made it to Mars again. 
Perseverance was on a six and a half month journey to get there, which is just really incredible that this thing could fly through space for so long and and make it. And it's very exciting to see the landing. I watched it uh, as it happened last week. It's there to seek signs of ancient life and collect samples of rock and soil for possible return to Earth. So we'll see what it finds. Well, this is also one I wanted to recommend, but Andrew beat me to it. So I have to claim something far less cool than NASA's Perseverance. Um, You know, for any of you who live in the Atlanta area, I recommend Gino's Pizza. It's good pizza. The closest to New York style pizza I've been able to find since I moved back down here. So yeah, Gino's Pizza. They're a small chain. I love when Laura does hyper local recommendations. (laughs) Yeah, well, we have local listeners. I know, I know. Yeah, so that's a special (laughs) message to five people. (laughs) (laughs) It's more than five. It's maybe like seven. (laughs) Um, I want to recommend if you enjoy having some popcorn when you're watching a movie at home to buy some silicone popcorn poppers. Um, I bought uh, one of these and then like everybody in my family wanted one. So then I bought like three more just so we could have them in the house. Um, It just makes making popcorn super easy and you don't have to buy that bagged shit anymore. Sometimes the kernels are cheaper and uh, it's a lot easier to pop than if you're doing it on the stovetop. So Um, something to invest in just to have in your house if you enjoy that as a snack. Fun. How about you, Shane? I, you know, I was like, man, I want to recommend so many things. Like, should I recommend like the Japanese coffee that I got on uh, online or like the new weird mouse that I got or like, like (laughs) Eric Skull just posted that Shamrock Shake is back. And so that's exciting. (laughs) Um, yeah, Eric does love that thing. But yeah. like, uh, I mean, Agatha all along is like my favorite song right now. Yes, <laughs> I know. Um, but I decided to be like super woke, and um, uh, it's Black History Month. So uh, there's a book called "The Warmth of Other Suns," uh, S-U-N. Uh, it's it's really a tome. Uh, it's super long. It, it describes like the great migration, um, which is like the movement of black families from the American South to the West, to the Midwest and to the Northeast. Um, and it's weird because it's like the book is not about my family. But if you read the storyline about the family that goes to L.A., it is exactly about my family. Um, wow. It talks about how um like black people were only allowed to live in certain parts of LA uh, up until like the sixties. And so it's like, it kind of like explains like where my, why my grandmother lives, where she lives and like the kind of job that she had. And like the, it's, it's so interesting. Like my grandmother, like Andrew and Pam, you know, this like Glendale, like my grandmother does not know how to get to Glendale because like when she moved to LA, it was so racist that like black people just knew not to go there. Um, and so it's, it's just like a really interesting look at like how black families got to like where they are now in the U S. Um, so, so yeah, the warmth of, uh, oh yeah. The warmth of other sons. Who's the author? Isabel Wilkerson. Got it. She just had a new book come out too called cast, like cast system. Mm -hmm. Both books are like George R. R. Martin length, but, uh, the audiobook is is uh it's great. Cool. Well, Shane, it was great having you on and 
uh, as evidenced by all the recommendations you wanted to make and what else you added throughout the show. Uh, this is why we wanted to have you on. There's, there's a lot going on in your life. And like I said, you're doing the Lord's work. Seriously. I appreciate it. I mean, I was like, I was so nervous when Andrew asked me to be on the show. I was like, I'm not interesting. I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> yes, you are. You're super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I also wasn't fishing for that, but thank you. Um. <laughs> yes, you were. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So what's coming up in After Dark today, Pam? We are finally going to talk about this big Army Hammer scandal that has been sweeping the internet for the past month and a half or so. And we are going to hear some crazy stories from our patrons as well. Right, Laura? Yeah. So we figured, you know, the story with Army Hammer can get a little bit unsettling at times. So we thought that we would uh, revive something that's similar to an old segment we used to have called Fuck Off Cupid, where people would share um, their craziest, cringiest, most awkward online dating stories. And patrons definitely delivered. So we're going to be going over some of theirs as well. Awesome. Patreon.com slash millennial is where you can find that today. And if you haven't become a patron yet, there are so many installments of After Dark for you to enjoy. You also get ad-free millennial access to our live streams. Uh, We do hangouts with uh, Bay patrons over Zoom. We do a new physical gift every year for Bay patrons as well. There's a lot happening. Oh, yeah, the shirt. Shana's, like I said at the top of the show, wearing the shirt right now. That's great. Thank you for showing up (laughs) with that, Shane. We didn't ask you to do that. That was a clever idea. Um, yeah, so we're doing a lot over there, and uh, we really appreciate everybody's support. It is why we are doing this show. It keeps the show rolling. Also, we would love if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Millennial. You can also email us, millennialshow at gmail.com, or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. Don't forget about our confessional as well. We have that right there. And also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. I'm Shane. Whoa. Bye, everybody. 